from him who was actively obedient for us so that he carried out and fulfilled the entire law in our place because we never could, but were required to. So he did it for us. From him be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this evening is our gospel lesson where it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. This is our text. I don't know if you saw the news this week about Alex Trebek, the host of Jeopardy. Did you see it? Poor Alex has been diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer, and that got me a little bit down this week, I have to admit. Because I don't know about you, but I'm a fan of Jeopardy. Any Jeopardy fans out here? Yeah. It's a great show. I love it for all different kinds of reasons, one of which is the way Alex runs the show. But I also love trivia, and I like the format, too. You know how you have to have the answer and then respond with a question. So tonight, I thought it might be good for us to lead off with a couple of Jeopardy-type answers and questions, if you will. Let's see how you do. First, the answer is three. The question, how many people in Scripture receive special temptation attention from Satan himself? Or how about this one? The next answer, Eve, Job, and Jesus. And the question is, who are the three people that receive that special temptation attention from Jesus? Eve and Job and Jesus they are. Of course, you remember that Eve didn't last very long. It took really only one relatively simple temptation for the devil to deceive her. And she ate the fruit of the tree and Adam was with her and he fared much worse because Satan himself didn't even have to address Adam personally. He ate too. Eve seemed more than willing to help, didn't she? Job did a little bit better. God even pointed him out to Satan. Job was in jeopardy, if you will, but in the end, Job failed too. And Job succumbed to temptation. And then there was the third one who received this special temptation attention from the devil, and that was Jesus himself. And this situation is far, far different. Jesus is a new Eve. He is a perfect Job. He's the only one to ever face the great tempter and come out absolutely, completely, 100% victoriously, overcome, overcoming every single temptation of the devil. Of the millions of people, billions of people who have walked the face of the earth, Jesus is the only one who faced the devil head-on and died to tell about it. Scripture is very clear that all temptations come originally from Satan. Jesus says that Satan is the father of lies, and it's also fact that he lies to us, and he deceives us all the time. When we're put into the jeopardy of temptation, we don't handle it very well, do we? The problem is that we constantly, every day, every hour, give in to those temptations. Satan doesn't even need to appear right in front of us like he did to Eve. It's as simple as that 
little thought that pops into our mind when we think that no one will know if we help ourselves to some of the office supplies or merchandise on a counter or mom's money or or if by chance we make it past some of the simpler temptations and go and sit down in front of the TV, it doesn't take long for lust or greed or coveting to enter our mind and oftentimes to act on those temptations. There's no way around the fact that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as the book of Romans says. It's spiritual jeopardy, and we're in trouble. We give in every hour of every day, and when we don't, when it can't be described, when we do it, when we fall to these sins, it can be described as nothing other than that, than sin. We are sinners, and we are sinful. You know, we don't hear very much anymore about the seven deadly sins that the early church talked about, but they weren't far off when they listed them as these. Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. Think about that list and think about just how much most of those, all of them, seem to be so much a part of who we are as human beings that, that we're almost unaware of their existence. Think about pride, for instance. It, it sits on that fine line of, of striving to live the life of faith and yet thinking that we are better than others. Like the Pharisee in the temple who said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like that publican over there. It's the perfect example of Satan's sneaky tactics. And he tried them on Jesus. Jesus is driven out into the wilderness. It's the Holy Spirit's desire that Jesus should face that old evil foe. Because where you and I are put into jeopardy and fail, Jesus must succeed. Where we fall, Jesus must stand tall. So Satan squares off against the Son of God and tempts him into showing off. He says, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Do you suppose Jesus could have done that? Of course he could have. Jesus could have proven himself to the devil, while at the same time he could have provided for himself exactly what it was that he had needed at that moment after fasting for 40 days. But Jesus uses God's word to explain why he won't. He says, it is written that man will not live by bread alone. And then Jesus goes on to beat the devil at every one of his little games. He holds steadfast. He stands firm. He doesn't once give in to the one who wants him to take hold of power or fame or attention. Now, if the problem is that you and I give in to the jeopardy of temptation too easily, we might be tempted to think that we have already found our answer in Jesus. He shows us what to do when we face temptation. He models how we can aim ourselves. All we have to do is put on the full armor of God, and Jesus shows us how to do it, and God tells us to do it. So all that's left is for us to follow Jesus' example and defend ourselves against the devil, right? But it's not as easy as that. If Jesus is just an example for us 
of how to overcome temptation, then he isn't yet our Savior, is he? He's just an example. Did Jesus step into the desert just to teach you how to handle temptation? Did he face the devil just so you will be able to face the devil with confidence? Is this account of Jesus out there in the wilderness simply God's way of pumping you up so that you're going to do better next time? Well, that might be part of it, but it's not yet the full story. Thankfully, that's not the way God works. Jesus is certainly an an example, but he is so much more than just an object lesson to us. He does model for us how we are to stand firm against the devil, using God's word as the weapon. But more than that, he faces the devil for us. So if you leave here tonight simply thinking that you can avoid temptation better in the future, then the Lord's work isn't finished with you yet. The armor of God is yours, and the Lord certainly wants you to use it, but remember what that armor is. The breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. If you think about those three things, righteousness and faith, and salvation, all three of them are God's gospel gifts to you. You cannot earn them or deserve them. God puts them on you, gives them to you, so that you can ward off the assaults of the devil, not by your own power and strength, but by the power that is given to you by our gracious God. All these are gospel gifts. God gives them to you because Jesus bought them. He paid for them. You are made righteous by Christ. You are given faith by the Holy Spirit. The Lord himself provided your salvation by sending his one and only son for you. So I want to ask you a question tonight, and I don't want you to think about it too long. What did Jesus do for you? Now, don't think about it too long. Any children at Any child at children's time could give me the answer. What did Jesus do for you, for us? He died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. The cross and the empty tomb are certainly critical. But today we want you to see, too, that Jesus not only died for you and rose again for you, but he also lived for you. And here's what that means. In the church, we talk about two different kinds of obedience that Jesus lived out in his life, active obedience and passive obedience. So Jesus was passively obedient when he was allowing the soldiers to beat him before he was crucified, when people were mocking him, when Pilate was questioning him and he didn't answer. He did not act to save himself when people taunted him and called him to come down from the cross. All those things he passively allowed to happen because they're part of the way that he bought and paid for the helmet of salvation that he has placed upon your head in your baptism. But Jesus was not only passively obedient, he was also actively obedient. He was active when Satan tempted him to to bypass the cross and go straight for instant glory. 
he actively resisted the temptation to draw a crowd by jumping off the temple and saving himself. And before he kept every, before that, he kept every law perfectly. He crossed every T and dotted every I for you. Jesus left nothing undone of all of God's law. And so tonight, like every Saturday, we, we get a double bonus, the Jeopardy round, right? Not only do we get strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, as the old hymn says, by learning how to resist the devil, but we also get the gospel gifts that are given here every time we gather for worship. We get the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross, but also poured into a cup tonight for us to drink. We get to drink the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. We receive into our mouths the body of the one who kept his father's law perfectly so that he could be the perfect sacrifice. And by all of this, we are strengthened to do better. Strengthened to repent. Strengthened to turn our lives around. And more than that, we are saved from all the times we don't or can't or won't. We are empowered by the gospel itself to live out a life of faith. But even more importantly, we, we return to the living waters that began flowing at the font when we were baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. Every morning we wake up knowing that we are God's baptized children. So drink up, fellow, fellow tempted. This is where we get eternal nourishment right here in this place. Jesus walked out of the desert of this world's temptation when he ascended into heaven. As of yet, you and I are still walking around, wandering around the wilderness of this world, but until Jesus' return, we will look to him as more than an example of how to do well, of how to resist the devil's temptations. Tonight we remember, like the other hymn says, that Jesus is our beautiful Savior, the perfect Son of God, the perfect Son of Man who made the perfect sacrifice for all of us who are put in jeopardy of the devil's temptation attention. He gives us the strength to do better and to get better at it each and every day. And he overcame his times of jeopardy for us so that we are forgiven even when we don't. In Jesus' name, amen.